Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. McCracken Poston Jr., is a practicing criminal defense attorney and former state legislator in the Georgia House of Representatives. He is the author of the book Zenith Man, Death, Love and Redemption in a Georgia Courtroom, the true story behind the controversial and unusual true crime murder that delivers a compelling message about the crisis of undiagnosed and misdiagnosed development dis- the de- developmental disorders in the criminal justice system that continues today. McCracken is a graduate of the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga and received his law degree at the University of Georgia. He gained national attention for handling <clears throat> the handling of several notable cases, including the successful defense in the 1999 murder of Alvin Ridley, a case where Ad- Ad- Alvin was charged with murdering his wife, only to be found innocent, thank- innocent thanks to overlooked peculiar evidence and a dogged small town lawyer. Ooh, sir, good morning. We're going to talk about the justice system in America. You're going to further discuss your book and talk about the psychological impairments such as autism and mental illness that must be taken into consideration. Uh, in you. regard for the justice system. Thank good you morning, and good morning. And good morning and welcome to The Source. What inspired you to write Zenith Man, Death, Love and Redemption in a Georgia courtroom? It was an obsession. Maya Angelou said that he's, uh, the greatest agony is bearing an untold story inside of you. And I carried that story. We gave it away to anybody who would listen. Uh, Forensic Files, uh, A&E's American Justice, People Magazine, The Washington Post. Yet there was something that just didn't make sense. I wanted to write it, but it just something just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Just three years ago, a former juror in the case suggested that I have Alvin Ridley tested for autism. She was a nurse. Uh, but you have to realize 25 years ago when the trial was, nobody was talking about adult autism. Right. And so it was um, overlooked and he is very much on the autistic spectrum, which explained everything. And that finally formed the book in my head to be able to write because I could explain Alvin and all the misunderstandings and misjudgments that ensued. Mm-hmm. So so give us a, a, a brief description of what happened with Alvin Ridley. And why is it that so many times and we see this happening here in the city of Philadelphia too, people who are uh, undiagnosed or misdiagnosed with um, mental health issues, et cetera, or have autism, find themselves either in the criminal justice system or murdered, killed because people have misunderstood what they were doing and saying. So tell us a little bit about Alvin Ridley and then how you became involved in all of this. Well, Alvin, throughout his life, people thought of him as odd. Uh, we we would uh, uh, all the neurotypical people is the language we would use now, uh, thought he was odd. They didn't think that his emotions lined up with uh, the moment or his voice had a flat effect to it. And but you could tell once I got to know Mr. Ridley that he was actually very intelligent. Uh, he was a TV repairman in our small town, uh, which is where the title comes from. He was of the Zenith brand of old picture tube televisions. 
And he was a an ace at that. Yet at the same time, his life began to deteriorate. He married in 1966. Matter of fact, Dolly Parton got married in our town in 1966 uh, to Carl Dean, whom she's still married to. Three weeks later, Alvin and Virginia Ridley get their marriage license in the same place. But about a year into their marriage, she disappeared. Her family sought her. Her family put articles in the newspaper. And the the legend, uh, of course, took over the actual fact. Actual fact was they confronted them in a courtroom in 1970. And his wife uh, supposedly said, because there's very few people alive who heard her, uh, that she wanted to be with her husband. So her parents kind of backed off. But after 27 years and she died, her family resumed and uh, unfortunately just filled the void of information with uh, speculation. She must have been held. She must have been kept in the basement. So what happened to Mr. Ridley? Well, in, in October 4, 1997, he made his way to a telephone stand in our town. And he tried to call an area hospital in Chattanooga, Tennessee, across the line. They told him he had to call 911. Alvin very much distrusted the local government. And he was in litigation with them for years. He didn't want to do that, but he did. His voice was flat. He, he, he asked for help for his wife. And the first response was, what wife? It's a small town. Everybody knew everybody's business. Nobody knew he had a wife except the very old people. And they thought she had left decades ago. Wow. Wow. He was accused of keeping her in the basement for 27 years and then killing her. Wow. She had epilepsy. And that was the first place I wanted to look is what are what what do epilepsy deaths look like? Sadly. Uh, I didn't have a, a case. I didn't have anything. And sadly, just weeks before the trial, uh, the Olympic track star, Lawrence Griffith Joyner, died mm-hmm. of a seizure disorder. Mm-hmm. We used her autopsy to show what a body that dies from a seizure oh. did, looks like. And it was almost identical to that of Virginia Ridley. Here's the most famous woman in the world. And we're using her autopsy to address the least known person in the world, perhaps. Talk to us a little bit about the intersection of the law with autism, mental illness, and the dangers of gossip and small town speculation. Lord Jesus, please talk (laughs) about that. Well, as you know, there are 5 million undiagnosed adults, it is estimated, walking around in this country alone uh, with undiagnosed uh, neurodiversity And they are having encounters with police. They are having encounters with the courts. They they may come off as being not serious about the questions asked of them. They may seem to be giving elusive answers when, in fact, they're only very literal thinkers. And so we speak in metaphors and we speak in, in comparative language when when Alvin was diagnosed, I, he asked me to go with him because he uh, he trusts very few people. Mm-hmm. The doctor asked him to react to two statements. One was, 
she's gotten under your skin. Well, he shuddered at that thought mm-hmm. of someone getting under his skin. Mm-hmm. When I when the next question was, uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve. And Alvin raised his hand and he said, I know what that means. He has an artificial heart. Well, to a very literal thinker wearing one's heart on their sleeve, that makes sense. And I have right. an insulin pump. So he was right. used to seeing me having my pancreas in my right. pocket. Right, right. Yeah, that is this is so interesting. Um so so what are the dangers of that when we don't know what what, what do we believe? Why do you believe better funding for psychological evaluations with a broader scope of testing is critical and needed for the ends of justice? Because prosec- well, police at the first level uh, need to be trained. Uh, this may be why this person seems elusive. This may be why they have a flat, uncaring effect or their emotions don't seem to be in line with the fact that their loved one just died. Yeah. The police need that training. The prosecutors need that training. Mm-hmm. Lawyers need that training. And the judges need that training. And, and the reason why, because we jump to conclusions mm-hmm. and we accuse people of being elusive when quite often they're trying to help you. Yes. Yes. That is interesting uh, because there's so many people who have been diagnosed with autism or is on the spectrum and they're so misunderstood so often because people want them to behave the way that they think society should, you know, normally react to certain things. And folks who are on the spectrum don't ordinarily do. And they're usually quite brilliant, but we can't see the brilliance because they're not their affect is so different in, in, in subtle and larger ways. If does that make sense? It makes sense to me because Alvin Ridley made some decisions during the representation that he forced me to do. He, he's yeah. the client yeah. and they were brilliant. In hindsight, they were they were absolutely the right move. Um, so I, I'm very honored to have represented him. Alvin is still living. Mm. He will be 82 the week the book comes out. He's yeah. very excited about it, but he yeah. still has a what most would think a uh, peculiar lifestyle and uh, and but now the community which is a small town in northwest georgia mm-hmm. is more warm to him because of my efforts in this book and yeah. with his permission sharing yes. the fact that he has autism yeah so when we come back and there are two things i need from you what changes do you hope to see in the american criminal justice system and where can we find this book when it comes out can you hold on one second for me please certainly thank you all right you're welcome you are listening to the source on wurd progressive black talk media on air and online at wordradio.com i am andrea lawful sanders we will be back with the final segment of the source today right after these messages you're listening to The Source with Andrea Lawful Sanders on Word Radio. Streaming live on wordradio.com and the Word Radio app. Welcome back to the final segment of The Source today, where I am talking to McCracken Poston Jr., who is a practicing criminal defense attorney and former state legislator in the Georgia House of Representatives. Representatives. He is the author of the book Zenith Man, Death, Love and Redemption in a Georgia Courtroom. You heard us talking about uh, Alvin Ridley who is on the autism spectrum. They accused him of killing his wife, who he had been married to for so many years um, that nobody knew about because he was so quiet. They were living together. Um, and uh, I, I have asked uh, Mr. Um, Mr. McCracken uh, a series of questions. 
But the last one I have is what changes do you hope to see in the American criminal justice system? And then talk to us about this book. When is it coming out? Thank you. Well, my book is Zenith Man, Death, Love and Redemption in a Georgia courtroom. And I say the whole title because there's another book called Zenith Man. And let me tell you about that book. It's our story that somebody fictionalized really? and and took the name that I had given New Line Cinema when they were considering making a movie about the case. And I retain literary rights, but there is no copyright in title. But I was so intent on using that title. We added a a, a, a paragraph. But if you can see, if your viewers can see, there's a copy of the book cover. Right. It is the Zenith man with the kissing couple on the cover. Mm. So it's a, an unusual book for true crime. It's an unusual book for a murder trial. But what I hope to see is more funding for state psychologists to be able to catch autism but I also want training for law enforcement mm -hmm. because the misunderstandings and the misjudgments that ensued from Alvin Ridley's autistic mannerisms mm -hmm. were literally used against him at trial. Mm -hmm. His flat vocal effect, his emotions not seeming to be normal or lined up as we neurotypical people should think they should be. He didn't seem too upset about his dead wife. The prosecutor said. Yeah, yeah. When is the book coming out? The book is launching at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library in Atlanta on Tuesday, February the 20th at 7 p.m. If any of your listeners are in Atlanta, I would love to meet them. And I am bringing Alvin Ridley to the launch. Are you really? He loves being the center of attention, uh, oddly enough. Uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, he hopes to get a girlfriend out of this, <laughs> but he watches he watches this TV show called Cheaters, and he's yes. insisting he will not have two girlfriends because he's worried about cheaters. Oh, tell us one more time. When is it going to happen? Tuesday, February? Tuesday, February 20th. That is publication day publication. at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library in Atlanta. And um, again, it's a it's a book launch. But people who order pre-order should have their books on that day as well. Mm -hmm. OK. And where else can they find the book once the launch is up and running? Because for those of us who live not not do not live in Atlanta. It is being sold on all major book sites. Okay. Uh, if you uh, contact your favorite bookstore, they should be able to get it for you. Um, and and it seems to be doing well. I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. Uh, the oh. publisher is Citadel, which is uh, Kensington Publishing. Mm -hmm. And it's been a fantastic experience. I've gotten to go to New York several times. And, and uh, I love your town. I've been to Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Yeah. several times. And um, I just am very it, like the Omaya Angelo statement. I'm trying. I'm finally unburdening myself of yeah. this untold story. Yeah. And and it's it's really cathartic. Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful. Uh, we are grateful that you took the time to write the story, because what happened with Mr. Ridley is something that happens around the country all the time. And so I would love Do you think it will be made into a movie at some point? I, you know, one one never knows. But Andrea, I currently have a young man client who is autistic. Mm -hmm. who is charged with obstruction. And that is the charge that almost always ensues 
when there's a miscommunication and the police will jump to the conclusion that that person is obstructing. Right. And and it started off with a, a seizure that my client had, and he was coming out of the seizure and confused. And it's just a sad situation. So I'm hoping this book will help other lawyers perhaps identify autism in their client and get it get it tested. I, I, I wish you nothing but good things and that this book helps to save lives and careers, right? Because <laughs> oftentimes when folks don't do, they make assumptions about what they think was happening. They end up being sued and the government, the city, the state end up having to pay all kinds of money um, to, to rectify the wrongs. And so it would really make sense for us to put the money on the front end in, in educating people about what that would look like. The book, <laughs> the book. The book is called Zenith Man, Death, Love and Redemption in a Georgia Courtroom. It is coming out on February 20th at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library. Um, the publication they're having their launch that day. If you're anywhere in Georgia near that area, you're more than welcome to go. Mr. Alvin Ridley will be there. Otherwise, the books are being sold at every major book site. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing. I'm a, I, I am an avid reader, so I'm going to add this to my um my list of reads because I want to be able to be more intentional in having these conversations around what do we see when we think people are charging at us, when people are not responding to us the way we want to. And we're all guilty of it on some level, right? I, I was as guilty and, and I, I'm not casting any stones at anyone on the prosecution side or the police. I also struggled with him. For most of the 15 months I was advising him. Right. right. Even into the trial. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the turning point for you? The turning point was in his home. He, he wouldn't let me in his home. And it was an unintentional act of kindness. My parents sent a, a turkey plate for Thanksgiving. They wanted me to take it to him. I didn't want to go to his house on Thanksgiving. He was uncooperative. He wouldn't let me in his house. I showed up at the door and the gesture. And this, he, he, I learned that he's very transactional. And that's another trait. Uh, he saw that I was giving him food, my mother's delicious food. And it, he said, wait a minute. And he locked, the, uh, shut the door. I, I could hear him making noise inside. And he came out and he said, come on in. Um, Once in, I discovered in his house on a wall where he had somewhat made a shrine. Hundreds and then in another room, thousands of writings that his wife wrote. She not only had epilepsy, she had a condition called hypergraphia. It compelled her to write. It didn't affect what she wrote. It was really a diary, a journal. She very much loved her husband to the very end. She defended him. She helped him in, in almost every aspect of life. And her writings literally allowed her to testify from the grave wow. about him. But of course, Alvin didn't want me to have them. And I had to fight him to get the evidence to save him. Yeah, yeah. He insisted on keeping it. Mm -hmm. And with it every day into court, he also unleashed from these giant suitcases mm -hmm. hundreds of roaches into the courtroom, causing the judge to make us change courtrooms. And guess what? 
What? We changed courtrooms to the old 1939 uh, courthouse. Mm-hmm. And that was the last place Virginia Ridley had ever been seen in public, public. on September wow. 15, 1970. So it was like we were bringing her writings back to her. Wow. It was like she was in the room. I had never felt such an eerie feeling. Yeah. It's amazing how our life, our life plays out just the way it is supposed to good, bad, or indifferent, because it's all designed to lead us to the places where we're supposed to be. Those hundred roaches <laughs> were supposed to be unleashed so that this woman's voice could be heard right where they last saw her. She married that man. No one had seen her again. They thought she was dead. They've been living together for all those years. What a beautiful uh, story, uh, McCracken Pasta. Mr. Pasta, it was a pleasure talking to you. If you ever come back to Philadelphia, check in with us and we'll come see you. Okay. Thank you, Andrea. You're welcome. Good luck with that book. I think you're going to do very well. And I'm and I'm also declaring it's going to be made into a movie at some point. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Thank yes. you. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a good day. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 